Hello there. So this is Joel Osoba and welcome to Life Spring Podcast. So in the in the following and subsequent episodes, I'll be sharing on the principles of fruitfulness and productivity. I'm sure we you, you you must have heard a scripture that talks about if I give my whole body to be burned, it 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 profits me nothing except I do it in love. That is, even if I'm doing charity and I'm giving hundred billion to African countries or to Malaysia or wherever or to eradicate poverty or cure cancer or fund the vaccine, if I'm not doing it in love, as far as God is concerned, it doesn't profit me to do anything. Certainly, it can profit the. The, rece- the receivers and a lot of things but for me as a person it doesn't profit me anything because my life transcends a, this this earth it goes into eternity so and what shall it profit me if i gain this whole world and lose my so that's where the real profit comes from so if after this world i did all that i gave to poor to the poor i i sponsored vaccines i i found the cure for cancer or i bankrupt the funds to for the search for the cure for cancer and all of that i did it without the connection of love when i get to eternity it doesn't count for anything and that is a very 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 heavy statement to make and very 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 you know sorry pro- proclamation to state but it is true even though it is sad because one of these days we are all going to wake up and we are going to find out that there is an eternity that there is a god somewhere that is going to judge humanity and it doesn't judge as man judges the principles of his judgment are already set and so as as christians we want to really make the impact that not only counts on the earth but it counts in eternity also we don't just want to live for the earth and live for water we eat water we drink without coming to a place where in heaven there is a record of the good that we have done and there is a reward waiting for us. So, in the following episode, I'll be sharing on, on the principles of the kind of productivity that, that makes you happy on the earth and also gives you a reward in heaven. Because it's, it's about time we all start understanding that we don't live for this earth alone. And it's about time that as preachers of the Bible, we need to remind people and put in the front of their mind regularly that beyond what we do on the earth, that there's a reward for us in heaven. And to make people understand that it is not until you are a celebrity and you are spending billions of dollars that you have a reward in heaven. No, there is a vital connection. There's a set of, 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 of activities and interactions and, and communication you must be part of that counts for reward both here on earth and in heaven. And it doesn't really measure by how much you have because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which oppose us. So I am, encourage you to listen throughout this whole episode. It's going to be a life-changing one. I actually, I delayed on recording this podcast, but the Lord just woke me up one afternoon and said, young man, you need to get this recorded and preach that message. So I, and this is midnight already. So this is about um, 2.11. I'm recording this. So I believe it's going to change your life, change your world and be a catalyst for God's plans upon the surface of the earth at large. This very message. Thank you. And God bless you. Enjoy your listening. Alright, so it begins with the principles are captured in 
John chapter 15 and this this is these are the very words of Jesus if you if you use it a red lettered bible you will see they are written in red so the very words of jesus and in this episode i'll share on verse one so each episode will be verse by verse i'll try as much as possible to keep each episode to one verse and i'll be sharing about six to seven verses and we'll be learning a whole lot that will be life-changing it says so john chapter 15 verse 1 it says i am the true vine and my father is the husbandman so Jesus was speaking and he was speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to the disciples that would believe on his words through the disciples. He was speaking to the world at large. He was speaking to anybody who would care to listen. He's speaking to me and to you in the 21st century. And Jesus had to qualify his statements and his appellation, his name with the word true. So he said, I am the true vine. In the margin of that scripture in my Bible, it says, I am the genuine vine. So, and this, this should make us think because God doesn't waste his words. Jesus doesn't just throw words around. He just doesn't want to be descriptive and wordy in his statement. No, every word, whenever you read the Bible, every word. So when it says verily, verily, it means verily, verily. So don't just think verily, verily is a repetition. No, he's saying that it's, it's as serious as it can be. That is why I'm using verily, verily. Don't take it for granted. So in this case, Jesus said, I, Jesus, I am the true vine. So if he says, I am the true vine, that means there is a false vine. And Jesus is trying to, is, is setting the background, the foundation for a life of fruitfulness. So you, you look at yourself and say, I want to have results. I want to, I want my heart to breathe. I'm looking for fulfillment. I want to, I want to enjoy my life. You know, enjoying life is as a result of living a fruitful life. Enjoying life is not that I have all the money in the bank. And no, 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 no. When you really enjoy life, it means that your heart is full due to the value you have created and made other people's life rich. So it means when you enjoy life, it means you are living from the inside out. Now, Jesus is setting the foundation. So this is verse 1 of the chapter. And so that is the foundation. This is the precedence. He said, I am the true vine. So by implication, that means... There is a false vine. There is a, 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 an untrue vine. And this is a foundation for fruitfulness. The source. As far as God is concerned, the source determines the result and the reward. So, you can't get something from the wrong source and have evidently good results and expect a good reward from God and in eternity is not going to work. If you get it wrong from the source of your inspiration, the source of your fruitfulness, the source of your productivity, don't think somewhere along the line it is going to be acceptable to God. So now we want to go to the source. So regardless of what we see in the world today, regardless of how people are pumping money into the world and solving problems of malaria and vaccine and cancer and everything. The first question you want to ask as a child of God is, what is the source? And for me, that is you, you ask yourself, 
I desire to have this level of money. I desire to make this level of progress in the world. I desire to build billion dollar corporation, trillion dollar corporation. I desire to solve this problem. I desire to have money like the greatest men in the world. But the question you want to ask yourself is, what is the source of that wealth? Because that is what will account for you as a child of God. And as we go on in this in this in this episode and the subsequent episode, I'm going to be speaking strongly to a lot of things that that from from when you hear them, they are they are tough stuff, but they will be the things that set you up for eternal blessings. So so that we will know as groups of people, as children of God, that our lives transcends this earth. We do not live for this world alone. We do not live for the media and the magazines and the and the billboards alone. No, no. There is a life after this earth that billboards does not count. Instagram followership, Twitter followership and retweets does not count. There it will be what was the source of what you did on the earth. You inspired 7 million people on this on what strength? What was the source of your inspiration? You 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 gave money to two billion people upon the surface of the earth. What was the source? How did it come? So as far as God is concerned, and this is a very strong statement I said in the introduction, if the source is wrong, then it is all wrong. So Jesus is saying there are several vines. So the vine is like the tree, the trunk of the tree that's connected to the root and draws sap from the earth. He's saying there are several vines, but the the matter is, I am the true one. So that means that in this world, we have several sources. You have different sources. So you you, you can draw power, you can draw fruitfulness, you can draw virtue, you can draw wisdom, you can draw wealth and inspiration from different sources. But the question is, are you drawing it from the true source? Are you going from the true vine? And that is the foundation for the fruitfulness, for a life of fruitfulness in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So, as you listen today, the first question is this. All the dreams in your heart, as much as you, you think about the, 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 the gurus of this world, you think about the successful people of this world, you think about the billionaires of this world, and you aspire for that kind of heart and that level of wealth and income, which is not wrong in itself. You must answer the question of source. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the caregiver. So, you can't expect to receive the blessings of God if you are not connected to the true vine. So, you see that your source attracts your resources. Your source attracts your allocation. So many people now, and this is this is very rampant in the world. You see, probably a politician, probably you know, there is evil in the world. These people kill to, to get into positions of power. People people lie on people, put people in prison, put people in jail, assassinate and blackmail people just to get ahead in life and get into positions of power. And then they do all those things and get into positions of power and then they go to church and then they give money and then they they give to the poor and expect to draw the favor of God to themselves. Now, we do not say God cannot forgive people. We do not say God cannot have mercy on people. But 
the precedence, the 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 the, the, the system of that well, the system of that influence is already corrupted and wrong. So the kind of blessing that we attract from God is not the kind of blessing they were expecting. If God will ever bless that, that kind of thing, he will have to first pull you down, correct your heart, then set you back again. And that's the truth. That's the honest truth. So as, as, as a child of God, as you begin to endeavor for increase in life, and I've, and I've repeated the same concept since the beginning of this podcast, not because there is no more material, but because it is the foundation and wisdom and repetition are the same thing. You have to repeat things over and over again for them for it to get into people at some particular level. That is, as you aspire to go into greatness, are you connected to the true vine? You need to be connected to the true vine so that you can receive the care of the husbandman who is the father. So Jesus is saying, my son, my daughter, I am the true vine. And my father is the caregiver, is the gardener, is the husbandman. I and the father walk together to cause fruitfulness in your life. When you acknowledge me as your source, then my father will cause all grace to come towards you. My father will make sure that your life goes in the right direction. Your, your, your leaves do not wither and you bring out your fruit in due season. Why? Because you are connected to the true vine. And if Jesus is the true vine, the question is, how do I get connected to him? How do I get connected to him? Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just because I do the will of him that sent me. So how do you get connected to the true vine? You get connected to the true vine by his word and by his voice, by his Holy Ghost on the inside of you. That is, you tell yourself, I want to reach height one billion dollars, one trillion dollars in life. But this is how I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there by listening to God and allowing God be my guide. I'm going to get there by obeying God at every step of the way. I'm going to get there by implementing the dreams, the visions, and the ideas that are coming directly from the mind and the, and the intellect of God. Because there are several platforms, there are several businesses that the ideas that are being implemented, the wisdom that has been deployed, the things that are being used are not coming from God. They are coming from the forest. But you can imagine. You can imagine somebody decided to, to make a movie that, that, that is selling pornography or is, or, is, or is pushing violence into the consciousness of people or pushing adultery or pushing, you know, or pushing drug use or pushing perversion into the consciousness of justice or pushing, you know, or pushing, you know, you know, LGBTQ values into the minds of people. Telling them that, that they are not who they think they are. They, they, they are something different. Be sure that the source of that in, information, the source of, of, of that inspiration is not from God. Even though the movie can get a world record and be viewed and be celebrated. But where is it coming from? Even though it might be acclaimed and, 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 and applauded and lauded that it is a brilliant masterpiece. Giving awards and all kinds of things. Where did they get the inspiration and the wisdom and the organization from? 
even though it's, it becomes the, the number one in the box office and it, it attracts one point something trillion dollars, where is the source? And that's the question you want to live with. And that is the question you want to also answer throughout your life. That as grand as your desire for life can be, you must get it right at the source level. Jesus says, I am the true vine. That means there is a false vine. So, tell yourself, I want to be connected to the true vine. I want the things that are happening to me and happening through me to be the things that I am receiving from my conversation with God. That if I want to produce the billion dollar movie, it is because while I was worshipping God in the morning, an idea dropped on my mind. Then I got to the office in the afternoon. I assembled a team around it. And then I was able to produce a billion dollar movie. Let it be that, oh, I'm producing a fashion, a global fashion company. Let it be that the idea for that fashion company came while you were showering and you were singing praises to God. And the Holy Ghost is saying, I need you to change the world of fashion. I need you to build a fashion company that the proceeds of it will further my kingdom upon the surface of the earth. That is when it is coming from the true vine and not from the false vine. And one of the characteristics of when you are drawing your inspiration from the true vine is that it is coming from a place of love. 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 Love, which is selflessness. The ability to lay down your life for another. That is love. The devil is incapable of love. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. Never. No matter how selfless these gestures appear to be on the outside, many a time they are done to quell a dying conscience, to quell a hurting conscience, to apologize for a soiled conscience that was that was seared while people were climbing up on the ladders of success. But if you want to have a success and a fruitfulness that is coming from God, it will come from love, just a desire to bless another person. A desire to bestow benevolence on another other than yourself. Yes, that is the root of it. I hope listening to this has raised a question in your mind and make you understand that there are more than one sources to fruitfulness. But you need to be connected to the true vine. And you draw that connection, that vital connection from God's word, from communication with the Holy Spirit and from the voice of God himself. Thank you, and I hope this blessed you. We'll hear again from me in the next episode. Bye. Alright, so welcome. This is episode 2. And um, we are talking about John chapter 15, and we are talking on the principles of fruitfulness of productivity. And last last episode, we talked about the source, the question of the source of your productivity. And in this que- in this verse, we now we are now in the house. We, we 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 are going to start talking about the members of the true vine, the branches of the true vine, the the people who are connected to the true vine. And today, Jesus, after he talked about he being the true vine, the next thing he went to talk about is the system of productivity. 
the system of fruitfulness. And it begins with decluttering. So you say, we are not even going to start anything. Let's first deal with whatever is not making you fruitful because it is by default you are supposed to give fruit. So, and if you look at your life, you look at your heart, you look at the events around you and you look at the projections and the trajectory of your life and they are not going in the in the direction of fruitfulness and your heart does not even have a vision of fruitfulness coming not that you don't have dreams but when you look at it you're like are we really sure there's fruitfulness anywhere there's doubt there's bleakness somewhere there there is some uncertainty that you don't even have an answer from god you are not even capable of trusting god for particular level of things so you say let's declutter your heart let's let's see so jesus jesus went on and said he said Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he take it away. Now, traditionally, we've we, we been made to believe when they say every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I'm going to yank it up. No, 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 no. You see, one thing that we ought to understand when we are reading the Bible is the fundamental nature of God is love and goodness. God could be every other thing, but when it comes to his nature and his relationship with man, the first thing you want to understand about him is that he is love. So, for example, many a times we've been, we've been made to understand that God needed somebody to fellowship with. That is why he created man. That is not true. God didn't need anybody. God didn't need anybody to fellowship with. I repeat God didn't need anybody to f- God didn't create man out of need. He created man out of love. He wanted somebody he could bestow his love upon. So this is a digression, but I'll come back to our, our major subject of the day. So I can imagine, and this is what actually happened in the mind of God. God sat down and said, listen, look at me, man. I am overflowing with goodness. And I was, I was reading a meme somewhere and, and the, 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 the quote said that God can never stretch himself too thin. That is, let him spread to the farthest end of whatever the universe or the multiverse. He won't still be stretched thin. He won't overextend himself. Now, so God sat down and said, come on, man. I am, I am good. Look at me. I'm dripping with goodness. I am full of goodness i am goodness personified there is nothing in me that is not good but you know what nobody is enjoying this nobody's seeing this nobody's 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 is 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 reveling in this my goodness nobody's benefiting it from it i have these angels they worship me they worship me they serenade me they they, 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 they sing my praises like they excel in strength but i need somebody that I want to bestow this love upon. I want to love them. So now, that's the word need. So it is not the neediness of I'm craving something. No, it is that I want to love somebody. I want to pour myself, my goodness on somebody. It's not that I want to collect something from them. No, 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 no. It is first that I want to give to them. I want to, I want to pour myself on them. And what will now happen is I'm going to create them in such a way that they will have a choice to receive my goodness, to love me and appreciate me. They will have a choice. And in choosing to love me, then they will respond 
and draw near to me and spend the time with me for it to be their choice. It is not that I'm forcing them or demanding them to know. So we actually choose. So it is that God created us as rational, willful beings, responsible for our actions. That's he now says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bestow my love, my benevolence, my goodness on them. And then I'll watch them see what they will do in return. And then what happens is when we receive that love, because of the way he has made us, we flow back towards him. And we respond to him with love, with fellowship, with joy. And we say we celebrate him and we say, we are you, you are so good. You are good. You are loving. And that is how it is. So, God is now saying, so why I went into that is, when we talk about a traditional interpretation of this verse, it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it taketh away. That word, it taketh away in its original sense. So when you study gardening and, and vine dressing, it is not that a young, the vine dresser or the husband man yanks it up, no. It is that he notices that these branches are not bearing fruit because they've been tangled up. They've been cluttered up. They, they do not have enough room for them to be able to bear fruit. They are resting too low to the ground. They are, they are, they are stringed along other, other branches. They've been covered with winds and nettles and they are not giving their best. So their nutrient has been choked. They are not growing to the fatness that they can get to. So the vine dresser, the husbandman goes near and he takes them away. That is, he raised them. And disentangle them. That is entanglement there. So if you are in an entanglement. So the vine dresser will come into your life and disentangle you. So are you entangled with something? So the vine dresser doesn't say because you are entangled and he yanks you out of the vine. No, 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 no. He comes into your life and begins a disentanglement process. Begins to remove things in your life that are not making you give fruit. Begins to take things out of your heart. That are not making you fruitful. It begins to remove some malice. It begins to remove some unforgiveness. It begins to remove some greed. It begins to remove some selfishness, some loss. It begins to remove some playfulness, some unseriousness, some love for pleasure. It begins to remove, you know, some laziness and it begins to declutter you. That is what it means. So Jesus is saying that every of my child that is in me, connected to me, that is not bearing fruit. What I do for them is to declutter their lives. So are you looking at your life right now and the level of fruitfulness that you desire is not showing forth? The dreams of your heart, the images you project, they are not coming out. Jesus is saying, this is what I need to do for you. I need to disentangle you. I need to take relationships out of your life, take situations out of your life, take you out of places, take places out of you, take memories, ideologies, backgrounds, upbringing system, faulty society norms out of your mind that you may bring forth much fruit. Then he now goes on and now said, then every branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So Jesus is saying, when I come into your life and we want to start this process of fruitfulness, the first thing we do is declutter. The first thing we do is, is a sanitation. The first thing we do is, is, 
is 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 a room making exercise so if you are not fruitful with the clutter you then if you have been having some level of fruit and yes we deem it fit that is me and the father we deem it fit that you need to enter into a next level of fruit so you've been bearing fruit that is 30 fold before now we want to take you to 60 fold what we have to do is also we prune you are now what, what does pruning means he said, we prune the fruitful one that it may bring forth more fruit. So, both for the person that um, that is not bearing fruit and the person that is bearing fruit, there is a, there is a decluttering. And so, so, for the person that has borne fruit at a particular level and, wants, and God is saying, we want to take into more fruit, what happens is, it begins to prune you. It begins to cut you off. And what does that mean? It begins to remove things in your life. Your level of success. So it, that's what it begins with, actually. Not even your attitude. The first thing God does is it begins to increase your hunger. It, it begins to attune your dissatisfaction to want more. So that is when more fruitfulness wants to come into your life. So when you begin to hunger for more, even though you've, you have more and you've been able to achieve results in your life and you begin to see a hunger for more, that is the father thing we want to prune you. When the things that you've done in the past are beginning to look small and mediocre to you, even though people are celebrating you and they're saying, man, you're a success, you've done this, you've done that. But inside you are saying, come on, man, no, this is not what we are talking about. I think the father, the father is not even satisfied with what I'm doing with my life. I think I'm not doing well enough. Now, certainly people can say you're hard on yourself, but the truth is, you must be going after something. Your heart must always be yearning for something. You can't be sitting down, you can't be resting. No, the, the, the way you have happiness in life is to keep giving yourself to the things that make you happy and cause you to be fruitful. And that's what the father does. So the father comes to prune you. It begins to trim away your branches that are old, the results that you have, you've had in the past season, then begin to cut them off so that there will be room for new birds. So it begins to cut away branches, fruitfulness. That are, so, for example, I'll give a good scenario. So you, you've achieved results at a particular level. And then God comes. He begins to withdraw those results. Then maybe this client begins to leave. Some of your best clients in the last season begin to walk out. And it's not that maybe something, no, maybe something just small or nothing happened. But things begin to go down. They begin to dwindle down. It's not that it's traceable to any form of misbehavior or anything. No, 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 no. You are serving God. You are worshiping him. You are following after his love. But things begin to, to dwindle down. Now, that's the father saying, we want to take you to the next level. Just imagine, just like a catapult. You have to draw it back first. Before you can release it for it to string the stone forward into, into miles and a projectile that is higher than where it is. So the father comes into your life and says that, okay, for the next level of fruitfulness, we need to take things out of your life. We need to cut things out of you. We need to prune you. We need to, we need to disconnect you. So you, you, you begin to feel that, okay, I, uh, the, 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 the connect I have now, maybe the people that you guys were friends before, that the two of you, uh, I said two of you, the, the, the team of you are all chum and body, and they are not in that level of fruitfulness the Father wants to take you to. Then the Father begins to prune them out of your life. They begin to give you dissatisfaction that is beyond where you are for where you want to go. And there's a system through which God does this pruning. And that is what we are going to talk about in the next episode. So in this episode, you come to realize that the first thing 
when you begin to go in the line of fruitfulness with God, whether as a beginner or somebody who has been there and wants to enter something new, there's usually a taking away and a pruning, a decluttering. So if your life has been filled with junks and entanglement of things that are not necessarily clogging your heart, because your heart is like a pipe that receives life and inspiration and wisdom from God. So when that pipe gets clogged, gets blocked, it gets blocked with the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, of riches and the loss of other things and some temptations, some sins, some bad memories are clogging that pipe. It reduces the level of nutrients you can get from God. And then what God does is when he wants to take you into fruitfulness, he begins to clear that pipe. And you need to give him room. You need to be somebody that allow God room in your life if you want to be fruitful. It is the level of room you give to God in your heart that we allow him to take into the level of fruitfulness that you are thinking he has in store for you. So God begins to go into the departments of your life. He begins to touch on your finances. He begins to touch on your relationship. He begins to declutter. I say, don't spend money this way. Discipline yourself. Empty your account. And that's the truth. And give it to this cause. And then he begins to challenge you. Stop going to this place. Stop spending too much time around this. Cut down on your activities. Reschedule your day. Change how you pray. Start now. Go there now. Reduce the amount to spend on your phone. Stop watching movies. Cut back on the things that you do. Spend more time inwards. Begin to read along this line. Apply for a course. And when every of these demands of progress that the Holy Ghost begins to make on your spirit, go apply for this course. Go for this for this certification. Be sure that as you begin to move towards that, what happens? You have to leave something behind. Because for every thing you say yes to, you are saying no to somebody. If you are saying yes to coming home early to spend more time with your children so that you can see fruitfulness in their life in that area, for you to say yes to that, that means you are saying no to the time you spend at work and the time you spend with your friends or with people outside of your home. If you are saying you want to see more fruitfulness in your marriage, in your relationship with wife, for that yes, you are saying, if God is saying, my son, my daughter, I need you to focus on your marriage. I need you to spend more time with your wife. And the Holy Ghost is drawing your heart in that direction. That means that he wants to prune you and take away things out of your life that are disturbing and choking your relationship with your family so that you can see more. Because a godly home brings fruitfulness to God. God is interested in the family also. So we see that the first things that God does when it comes to fruitfulness is decluttering. I hope this is true. This true concept has been able to inform your heart in a bit and prepare you to be somebody who is expectant of decluttering, who is expectant of change and a visitation from God. Thank you. We'll hear from you again from the next episode. All right. Welcome to this episode. And we're going to John chapter 15 verse 3. We've been speaking about the subject of fruitfulness and the last two episodes we've talked about the principle of the source. We've talked about the concept of decluttering the chambers of your heart. Now, the next thing is to understand the tools through which God declutters. John chapter 15 verse 3 says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So this is the instrument that cleanses you. So when God 
want to bring you into fruitfulness or you are yearning for fruitfulness, the kind of fruitfulness, remember at the beginning of this, we were talking about billions of dollars because, you know, money is a measure of the success in the material world, in the material world, not necessarily your spiritual worth. No, there are people on the earth today who are not more than missionaries in somewhere in Kigali or somewhere in, in, in inland China that don't have up to two dollars or don't have up to ten dollars to their to, to their name but yet these people are rich in the things of the spirit when you get to heaven you will be surprised the kind of people that make it there and the kind of mansions they they, they have so 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 that as children of god we should not be deceived and and we need to we need to come to a place where our heart is freed from this from this system of the world where where we are so we are so sold out to lands and houses and titles and no 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 and bags and shoes no 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 now those things are not bad in themselves but they are not the measure of our worth they are not i can guarantee you that the man in inland china if he was in the in the in the part of the world that is more civilized and he had access to certainly he is going to have it too but we are just saying that regardless of where we find ourselves what counts for our real world is how god views us and how god views us is the level of obedience we have to his word and we are carrying out his intentions on the earth so a man can have several bags even a christian man can have several bags and several shoes and several cars and yet he's in disobedience to god that man is not worth much as far as heaven is concerned regardless of his next worth could be in the trillions of dollars he's still not worth much as far as heaven is concerned it's not as what it's just like you know can imagine the rich man and Lazarus on this earth the rich man and Lazarus Lazarus was at the door of the rich man yes Lazarus could as could as be could be as rich as the rich man on the earth but well eventually he wasn't but the rich man wasn't rich in the things of the spirit so much that when Lazarus got to heaven and the rich man got there the rich man was on the other side he was in 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 in, in the abyss in the place of pain and Lazarus was in the bosom in of Abraham in paradise. So this should just affect your mind so that it disabuses our mind from this materialistic system of measuring humanity or measuring ourselves or comparing ourselves or making. See, when it comes to God, you could have a billion dollar in your account when you wake up this morning and by evening it is all gone. Not because you you, you lost it in in, in 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 trading stocks, no, or because your your your, your company fell through. No, 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 no. It's because probably God told you to empty it and go and give it to somebody at the back part of the world who is doing a work or send a, a whole container or 12 containers of ships eh, to another part of the of the planet just to help them there because they are suffering or they are war-torn. So, and that is the kind of life we should live a heart, a life that has a heart that is detached from anything of the earth, knowing that anything that is of this earth can be used to serve the intentions of God. Nothing is glued to your heart. Now, so today we'll talk about the, 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 the instrument of the cluttering. So Jesus said that now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So, in the process of fruitfulness, cleansing must occur. There must be a decluttering for you to be fruitful, for you to enter the things that God has prepared for you. We must take things out of your life because New wine cannot be poured into old wineskin. So, and what does that mean? The instrument of decluttering is the word that is spoken unto you, not just the word that is read. 
No, 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 no. It is the word that is spoken. So the word that is read must become the word that is spoken. We are pruned and we are cleansed by the spoken word of God. Now, how do we get the spoken word of God? It is the word of God written in the pages of the scripture that the Holy Ghost makes to come alive from the inside of us. So that word comes alive afresh. It burns through our heart. And beyond it just burning through our heart, it creates a vision. So God prunes us and cleans us by his spoken word that creates for us a new vision. So for example, so so we we, we, we say we say we say a, a, a woman has a has a law firm and a law practice and a, she, 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 she helps small businesses and startups for with their, with their, with their legal issues and, you know, drawing up contracts and all the whatnot. And the, the, the father is saying that, okay, you have about uh, uh, 250 SMEs that, that are subscribed to you now, Anna, and you are doing well. But the father is saying, okay, you know what? I want to prune you. I want to clean you. He said, you are clean by the word which has been. So then one day that young woman is worshiping God and, and is going through her daily activities. Then she sees something in the Forbes magazine or she's reading Business Week or, or, or a magazine somewhere. Or she's just, she's just sitting by the fire and listening to a music. And the Lord comes and speaks a word, quickens the scripture. And he says, Lift up your eyes. Look at the stars of the air. It says, so shall thy seed be. And in that moment of time, 250 SMEs become nothing. And God gives you a vision and says, now, I want, to I want to take it to the level of multinationals. I want to change the level of productivity you have because with that level, with that level of influence, you can do me more good than what you are doing me at this level. You've done me some good at this level, but I want more from your life. I'm taking you from 30 to 60. So God speaks a word and that woman wakes up the next morning and addresses her board and tells them, listen, man, we've, we've had 250 clients so far and we've been beautiful. Those are clients lovers and says, we are going to create a division that is going to manage those 250. Now, we are now going to start a new campaign, a new move to start handling the bigger firms. Now, God has shifted that person. From a place of smallness into a place of largeness, not physically, but in their vision and how he came through his word. So his word cleansed them. How did he cleanse them? Not that they were dirty, but what they were handling before compared to where God is taking them into is dirtiness. Quote and unquote. That is the level they were playing before compared to the level they want to enter into in God and God is taking them into. They are not at par. But how does God draw you out of a small place into a big place? By speaking his word to you. That is how he cleanses you. He cleans you of the old and draws you into the new by the spoken word. So that means for you as a person, regardless of how much you press into God and how much you pray, the vital thing you want to look forward to is the spoken word of God. So you may be worshiping, praying, confessing the word of God, declaring they are good. But you are not clean. Unless God speaks to you, you are not clean of the level that you find yourself in. Unless God speaks to you. And this principle can be applied across several other departments of our Christian life. But we are narrowing this down to the principles of productivity, the principles of fruitfulness. So, God cleanses you by giving you a new vision. He draws you into a new place by giving you a new vision. He brings you into a new dimension by giving you a new vision. And that is how God 
cleanses you. So it says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So now, as you begin to desire more fruitfulness in your life, you begin to pray and say, Father, speak your word to my heart. Give me a new vision. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. In the book of Colossians, it says that, it says that, it says, fill me with the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that I may walk worthy of you unto all pleasing, being fruitful. So the level of vision you see commands the level of fruitfulness that you walk in. So for every level of fruitfulness God is going to take you to as a person, what is going to happen is going to give you a new level of vision. So for example, God wants to take you into a new level of fruitfulness in your character. That you, you are more morally upright, you, you are more steadfast, you are more consistent, you are more prayerful. Then God begins to give you a vision. It begins to make you see that the level of time you spend in prayer currently is nothing compared to the level of time you need to spend in the next season. It begins to show you that you can achieve more results with your prayer life than what you are currently achieving. It begins to tell you if you are reading one chapter per day before you are feeling good, it begins to say, my son, I have... I have a book full of chapters. I want to teach you more of my word. It begins to, then you begin to get hungry. God increases your hunger. He draws you into a new place by increasing your hunger when he gives you a new vision. Visions from God, which are his spoken and revealed intentions via his word, are what brings us into a new level of fruitfulness by cleansing us of the level of results we had before or the level of the the, of clutter that we have in our life before and bringing us into a new place. So the instrument of cleansing by God's standard is His Word. So as a person who desires the journey of fruitfulness, fruitfulness in your home, fruitfulness in your marriage, fruitfulness in the raising of your children, fruitfulness in your business, fruitfulness in your clientele, fruitfulness in your character, fruitfulness in how you interact with people, you want to be a better person more, properly spoken, you want to be a bolder person, a better leader, all those levels of fruitfulness are connected to the spoken word of God. And when God speaks to you, it gives you a new vision. So as you read through the pages of the Bible, no, don't go seeking voices. No, don't go, don't go sitting in the middle of the night and say, God, speak to me, and you're expecting to hear my son, my son. No, no, you open the Bible. And prayerfully, you begin to read through the scripture. You pray in the Holy Ghost and you ask him, fill me with the knowledge of your will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I may walk worthy of you unto our pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you. You begin to pray that. And you begin to pray that you are the fountain of light, O God. In your life, O God. And in your light, I see life. You, God, are the fountain of life. And in your light, I see that. You begin to pray that. Open down my eyes. Open them and you will light my candle. You, the Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. And as you, as you stay in the place of prayer over days, over weeks, over months, a new vision begins to emerge on the inside of you. So much that what you used to call success and victory before becomes something small and something, you know, petty, unclean in the light of where you are going into. And don't forget. What, what God may be painting, what, what the new vision God is giving you may be portraying as unclean, doesn't mean it is unclean. It's just that compared to where you are coming into, it doesn't match, it doesn't fit. It's a lesser level of expression. I hope this has blessed you and encouraged you to keep focusing on God's word and begin to read it and prayerfully study it so that you can begin to receive new visions, new ideas, new inspirations. That is going to take you into a new level 
of fruitfulness. The instrument through which God changes our vision and gives us a bigger hunger is via his word. Thank you and God bless you. We hear from you again from the next episode. All right, so welcome to this new episode. And uh, it's talking about the vital connection. And this is the vital connection, the, 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 the first part of that. And Jesus in John chapter 15 verse 4 is, is trying to, to pass across the message. I remember one of the first times that I began to see the scripture in a particular light. One of the things that the way it came across to me was Jesus was talking like, let's know who is doing what here. Let's be guided, my friend. Let's know who is responsible for what. Because uh, delusions of grandeur can begin to come upon you as a person when you think you are both your source and the channel and the product and the result and the reward. No, because that's one thing. You know, when the Bible says the pride of life, the pride of life is not necessarily pride. It is the pride that comes with results. So somebody who has not had results cannot have the pride of life. But as you begin to have results, and what and that result could, could mean anything to anybody. So probably as you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and you begin to see bounds of scriptures and scriptures begin to jump at you, that could be a result for you. Or as you begin to to spend time to to to, to read through the word of God and, and you begin to press into God and uh, you begin to have word of knowledge in the office and you begin to, to have the right ideas in the boardroom or you are a preacher of the gospel and the right revelations are coming and people are saying, man, word, deep, this and that. and, and you're, Or maybe your, your children are saying, your mom, you are the best mom and you, you, just because you've been spending time with God and they, and they are hating you, your husband is saying, oh man, and your wife is saying, my husband is the best person in the world. Now, it's very possible that as human beings, you begin to forget who is doing what. You begin to, it, it, it begins to wear off you that it is because you are connected to the true vine. You begin to think you are yourself. And now, you, it, it is not a conscious thought because you, if, if somebody stops you and asks you that, who is this? I say, hey, God, oh, hey, God, hey, I cannot use God to play. But we begin to see that even though you say, hey, God, hey, God, something begins to show that you do not treat your connection with the Father as you used to again. And how would we know? It will show in the amount of time you dedicate and spend with Him. So fruitfulness, when it begins to come into your life, it can begin to choke on the very thing that caused you to be fruitful. So for example, like like in, in the last two episodes or the last one, and, and God says, okay, I want to draw a woman who has 250 clients in SMEs, and I want to take her to the level of multinational. Now, when you begin to roll with multinationals, you will have reasons uh, to maybe you want to have to go and close some of these deals as a, at a boat club or at a yacht club or you have to attend an event and then you have to the, the time you are going to see someone you know a couple of things begin to happen and then the time you have before to pray in the holy ghost at night you begin to say oh i need to make this meeting tonight now you won't you won't really see there is a threat at the beginning you won't really notice 
that thing that something is choking my vital connection because that level of results will be so great that your flow will still be going the holy ghost the power the anointing you still be feeling you feel the anointing in the office you will feel it when you're driving in the car you you know you'll be feeling it you'll be singing yes my jesus is good my father is a miracle working god but if we sit you down we analyze your life maybe just a few weeks and a few months into that level of breakthrough you that used to spend 30 minutes of one hour or two hours in the place of worship before, it has dropped to 20 minutes, a short prayer, then you, you plug a someone in your ear and you're just going and then you begin to snack on word here and there. When before you were somebody who would spend time groaning and praying in the spirit. But your new schedule does not give you time for that and you have not reordered yourself to organize to make sure that your connection with the Father is vital. And that's what Jesus wanted to address. And he's addressing in today's episode. He said, abide in me, my friend. And I in you. That is, it is me and you. Don't let us forget this thing. It is, it is a sharing between me and you. It is I in you, you in me. It takes the two of us to tangle for you to maintain this level of results. He said, abide in me. And I in you. So he didn't just say abide in me. And that is a mistake a lot of a, a, a demographic of Christians make. So there are people who are seemingly abiding in Jesus. Now what does it mean? That is they are seen to be doing the activities that connote abiding in him. You see them in every prayer meeting. You see them in every online online meeting church. You see them at every Instagram live. You, be, you see them posting and reposting and sharing. And okay. It looks like they are abiding in him. They are praying, they are fasting, they are doing the confession. And see, if you see them from the outside, you, you say, man, this guy is abiding. But Jesus did not leave it as you abide in me. He said, abide in me and I in you. And that is the real truth. So you, I'm sure probably if you've, if you've lived for any, any length of time as a Christian, you must have seen some very abiding Christian in whom Jesus is not abiding. Then you begin to wonder, I thought this man is a prayer warrior, is a fasting giant, I thought he's a deacon, I thought I thought he goes to you just be saying I thought but why? The fruits of his life are not commensurate to the level of abiding that you think he's doing on the outside. And that is the reason because Jesus is not abiding in him. So don't make the mistake of abiding in Jesus and Jesus is not abiding in you. Those are those are those are you know. Those are connotative words. They have deeper meaning that is. So, so we are saying that you are abiding in him. We are seeing you at every Instagram live. You are, you are sharing every photo. You are, you, are, you are at the prayer meeting. You are streaming every service. <laughs> and you are making every confession. But is Jesus abiding in you? How much room does the Holy Ghost have in you, you know? And I can say this categorically because it's something I know well. It is possible that uh, you, you you prayed all, all, all day and by night you, you, you are spending time doing something nasty. You, 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 you spend your week fasting and by weekend just because you say, let me just rest a little bit. And, uh, and then you are caught in something totally unreasonable, totally ungodly, unwholesome, that is sickening to your soul. So you could be found, be seen, and projecting a life that is abiding in Jesus, but he is not abiding in you. So Jesus is saying, I say, abide in me, and I in you. Then he gives his reason. He said, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So your activities of abiding in him are not enough to produce fruit. He said, except it abide in the vine. No more except ye abide 
in me. So, now, I will now take you to level two. Because, and that is one thing about the Bible. Whenever you read the Bible, be, ex- be expectant to unfold more than one layer of revelation, of insight from the same scripture, even from the same word. Now, we have used the word abide before to describe the concept of religiosity that does not have a vital connection, a vital sharing of Jesus with Jesus, where Jesus is abiding in you. But then, I want to take the word abide to another level. So, Jesus said, abide in me. Now, what does he mean at this level to abide? To abide, if you look at it in a browser, it means to, to find your home. So that means to find God's, God's house, God's presence, your connection with God to be your resting place. And that is where it begins to, to happen. So you begin to tell yourself, come on, man, I need to abide. Abiding means rest. The Bible says in Psalm 91, it said, He that dwelleth, he that abides, he that dwells in the secret place of the most, I shall walk, shall find his rest, shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. So now, abiding means finding a home, building your tabernacle, creating a, an environment around the presence of God. Just like Peter said on the mountain, say, let us build three tents, one for you. For, so you also, you tell the Father. This time, I'm sure Jesus is not going to scold you. He's not going to scold you. He's just going to tell you the same thing he told Peter. I, I, I believe so. But the major thing is that you are going to tell the Lord, say, Father, I want to abide here. I am going any freaking where. I'm staying here. I'm building a, a tabernacle. I'm building, I'm building, I'm building my whole life around your presence. I want to stay. I want to abide in this place. I want to find this place a resting place. When I get here, I don't want to be in a hurry to leave. I don't want to be the person that reads my Bible 20 minutes just to make it seem that I have pleased God so that it will not look like hey, I have not read my Bible. If I don't read my Bible today, now God is going to be offended. No. I'm saying that your presence is my resting place. That I find joy, fullness of joy in your presence and I, I, I have come to see the pleasures that abide in at your right hand forevermore. So, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Then he now goes for that. He says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So you, you don't forget, and that is how we started, that what makes you have the level of fruit and progress in your life is your vital connection with the Father, is the amount of time you spend with Him. So don't enter into fruitfulness and begin to stray away and begin to cut down on the time that brought you into that level of fruitfulness. It is very dangerous because what will happen is after a while, and we're going to get there in subsequent episodes, what begins to happen to you when you begin to pull away and draw down on your level of involvement and interaction and sharing and communion and fellowship with the Father like you used to. He now goes on to say, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more. Except you abide in me. Now, then this is a third lesson. We have talked about abide on the level of religiosity. Then we have talked about abide on the level 
of, 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 of building a tabernacle in God's presence, prioritizing your life, building your life around him and saying that we ain't going anywhere. This is where we are going to be. We are going to stay here. We don't want to leave. If we ever leave, it is not that we are living. We are, li- we are actually living physically, but in our hearts and in our mind, we are still staying with you. Even though we go about our jobs, we are always, my heart is always panting towards your presence. I'm always endeavoring to stay in connection and in fellowship with you. So I may not physically be, 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 be located in a place and, and, and resigned to my desk or my, my prayer place. But I'm always abiding in you. You are my secret place. You are the place that I find myself. I draw my strength from you. I draw my wisdom from you. I'm always saying, Holy Spirit, what is the way to go? Yes, I need to make this presentation. Holy Spirit, I need to do this research. Holy Spirit, I need to talk to this client. Holy Spirit, I need to preach this sermon. Holy Spirit, I need to visit this member of my church. Holy Spirit, I need to I need to preach this service. Holy Spirit, I'm always drawing my life from you. So even though I'm not resigned to my desk as I would, but probably in the morning or at night or in the afternoon, every doing every time of the day, I am spending my time abiding in you. But then the last part is the way Jesus endeavors to correct a faulty mentality. And we're going to continue this in the next episode. He said, no more can ye accept ye abide in me. That is, don't get it twisted, my friend. If you don't maintain your connection with me, things are going to go south. Don't make this mistake. Let's know who is doing what here. Don't let the level of resolve that is coming into your life due to the fact that you are spending time with me begin to make you think that you are one special human being. Yes, you are special, but you are special as you make me special with you. You are special as you treat my your relationship with me special. And and Jesus, and don't let us mistake this. Don't let us think Jesus is one clingy person and is just his attention seeking. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. He's saying that you need to maintain a vital connection with me because that is how I'll be able to keep expressing myself to you and make you a happy person and a fruitful person the way I have fully designed your heart to be. So it's not that maybe I need you. Remember, we started out with the knowing that God did not create us because he needs us. God is not a control freak. If he's a control freak, he will make the whole world saved. He won't even give us a will in the first place. If he created us, a control freak will not give is creation a will because giving them a will makes them vulnerable but god is secure so regardless of the fact that he gave us a will is still secure if we choose him so be it if we don't mm-hmm, he's not dying man he isn't so god is not a control freak but whenever he gives us an instruction and he tells us to maintain a portion and maintain a vital connection it is because he wants to ensure that our lives continually do the things that we are created for. And he is the one that created us. So we can't grow to the point and say we don't need him again. The, more, the moment we start doing that, we begin to wither. And if we want to maintain the level of results we already have, and we don't want to stay connected to him, then we go back to chapter, the first episode that talks about the true vine and the false vine. So you see some people... Just because they get to a particular level and they are not they are not having time for God like they used to, then they begin to plug themselves out of the true vine and begin to connect themselves to the false vine. Before they used to pray and fast to get a business deal, now they begin to bribe their way to get it. So you begin to you have changed your source. Before they used to pray and fast and sow seeds 
dangerous things to open doors for them now they begin to, to you know to parley with people and begin to 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 solve their conscience and begin to do things that are not consistent with their christian values that is a shift in source you are beginning to disconnect yourself from where you used to be to where you didn't have a business being in the first place you have disconnected yourself from the true vine and you are going into the false vine so god is saying don't let us get it twisted. I am the vital connection without me. You can do nothing. We'll talk more about this in the next episode. I hope this has blessed you. You'll hear more from me in the next episode. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Hello there. So, it's been four episodes so far. And today we are going to the fifth episode. I hope you've been listening to the past year episode and if you haven't I encourage you to go back so that you can catch up on what we have said before and then you you have a background and you follow the train of thought on what is exactly happening and how God is leading us into a place of fruitfulness and we're talking about the principles of bearing fruit the process of bearing fruit very simple truth but with profound reasons to change your life there are things that in my encounter and in my walk with God, they are the defining and cornerstone of my destiny and the reason why I'm even able to be able to be fruitful to the point that I'm sharing the podcast for this is part of the fruits of my life. So and the, the, the part of that fruit is the fact that you are listening and it's going to help you and change your life also. So the fruit is, is like a chain reaction that is I'm just trying to talk about what's going on for me. So 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 for you as a person. I want to take the same principles and begin to internalize them and begin to use them so that more, more can begin to come out of your life that will give God glory and your heart will become fuller, your joy will become fuller, your life will become richer, your family, your, your relationship will become more, you know, more awesome and lovely and begin to live a peaceful and productive and prosperous life. So today, we look at the statement, and Jesus has been talking to us from the from the introduction even till now, and we we've been studying along the lines of John chapter fifteen, where he preached a sermon on 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 fruitfulness, and uh, today we'll talk about John chapter fifteen verse five, and uh, he says, "I am the vine." That's Jesus speaking. He has told us that from the first. From the first verse of this chapter, which is our first episode, is that I am the vine. You are the branches. That is, let's get our rules clear. I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. You are not the vine. You are the branch. You are not the source. You are the channel and every other human being. So the source doesn't change as far as God is concerned, but the channels change. So, and we should know who the sources and who the channels are. So, the source is one person and that is Jesus. I am the vine. I'm the trunk of the tree. I'm the carrier of the whole body. He said, you are the branches. You extend out of me. So, let's get this clear. You are not me. You are not responsible for the result. You only convey the result when you are in tune with me. And that should take a lot of pressure away from you. So that you don't begin to kill yourself and say, hey, I must blow, I must make it. Come on, man. That's not the way. You, you, you don't blow in the kingdom. You don't, you, don't, you don't rise into productivity by telling yourself, I must blow, I must make. No, no, no. Certainly, it is very necessary for you to be motivated. It's very necessary for you to tell yourself, I must blow. But you don't must blow by, 
by self-determination and no, no 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 you don't it's not by power or by might or by your will no so you can say i must blow but it is not by your will you blow in the kingdom by maintaining your vital connection with the source so you can will you know and that's what paul was trying to tell us in in romans chapter 7 that is what's going on throughout a lot of christians life where you said i said that which i will i do not and that which i do not will that is what i end up doing so people are willing to be fruitful willing to be productive willing to progress in life that is their desire that is their will that is what they are working towards that is what you know they are sowing their energy in they are pushing for they are waking up hustling pushing and everything and yet the results are not commensurate the results are nothing compared to the level of work they are putting into it especially for the christian man now because the truth is if it is for a worldly man at some level he could jew he could dupe somebody kill and go all the way but you now you said i'm for jesus you know i'm not going to lie i'm not going to kill i'm not going to then you begin to work hard i begin to work hard. yes it's good to work hard but when you work hard without the vital connection with the master that work can be frustrating because the truth is it is better to labor in the right direction than to labor powerfully in the wrong one. So you so some you can see somebody who is not doing so much, but because he's doing it in the right direction, is getting a lot of results than somebody who is doing so much and not getting results. And what that means is that the person who is not doing so much and is going in the right direction, if he can raise up his work level and his diligence level to the level of the person who is doing so much and getting little results, is going to get much more. So the major, the only thing he got right is that he's on the right track. If he increases his work ethic and increases the level of, of work and labor he puts into his work because he's going in the right direction led by God, what will happen? We have exponential results. So what I'm saying it is to is to knock up the idea that uh, no, if I'm just led by spirit, I don't need to work. No, that's not true. Paul said, I labored more abundantly above them all. But not myself, but what the grace. So that is, I labored, but what made me labor at that level? What gave me that level of hard work to do was because there was a grace resting on me that made my labor strategic, productive, and intentional, focused, and giving me commensurate results. So Jesus is saying here today, He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. So our roles are defined. You are not the vine. You are not, don't kill yourself. To do the job of divine no 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 don't kill yourself and expect yourself and expect no 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 a lot of people have committed suicide in life just because they are assuming the role of divine a lot of people have become frustrated in life just because they've assumed the role of divine so you see people maybe like a young preacher and he start preaching and he wants to heal people then he prays and fast for the whole week and goes out and he lays hands on the people and the people die after he lays hands on them. Why? And he frustrated and said, this thing, this one, this Bible doesn't work. Now, nah, 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 nah. nah, listen, you thought you are divine, but you are not. You are not the healer. You are the channel of the healing power. It is not, there are people who are not fasting 100 days and yet they've known how to connect to divine. And they are channeling the power. Now, I will quickly say this also. It doesn't mean you should not fast. No, no. I believe in fasting. I fast every day. I live a fasted life. 
So fasting is a core thing. Jesus himself said that this kind go with not except by prayer and fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days. So fasting is a norm for you as a child of God. Fasting is depriving your flesh the pleasure that makes it go crazy so that you can focus on the will of God for your life at every season of your of, of, of your life as you progress. So so the major thing that has caused frustration for some people at some level is because they've ascribed to themselves the job of divine. But Jesus is saying to you today, come and find rest. You are not the vine, you are the branch. Now let's continue. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him. So today I'm going to focus on I in him. So in the last episode, we were talking about vital connection, but we majored upon you abiding in him. But today we are going to talk about he abiding in you. Because if you read this, you say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him. It is that person in whom I am abiding. The same person brings forth much fruit. He said, for without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying that it is a level for you to abide in me, to tabernacle around me. But that is level one. It is just one side of the coin. There is the other side of the coin, which is the perfecto and the vital connection. It is me abiding in you. So today you want to you want to begin to open up your heart and say, Jesus, to what degree are you abiding in me? As a matter of fact, you are abiding in Jesus to the degree that He's abiding in you. So no matter the level of external activity you portray and you push as somebody who is abiding in Jesus, you are not really abiding in him if he's not abiding in you to that same degree. So the degree of your abiding in him is the degree to which he's abiding in you. So Jesus is saying, without me you can do nothing. He said, it is I in you. So what you really want to cherish here, and we are going to talk about this and emphasize this, is the fact that it is not so much as you pushing activities that seem to be looking like abiding in Jesus, but that he abides in you. That your insights become a comfortable place for Jesus to stay. So imagine on the inside of you, it's like a room, a house, an apartment, a duplex with different chambers. You know, God said about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom, that is inside him, I am well pleased. So it's more like God said, I went through the corridors and the rooms and the chambers and all the closets inside this, my son. And this is my testament. I'm pleased. And that is what God wants to achieve through your own life. That he will go through every department of your life. That there is no department of your heart, no chamber of your inside is close to God. So there are several people whom who are endeavoring to abide in him, but he, they are not allowing him to abide in them. So they go to the place of prayer and they are praying and the Holy Ghost comes up and says, I want you to forgive your boyfriend that broke your heart before you married your husband. You still have a grudge against him. When you see his picture on, on Instagram, you still curse him a little bit. And they say, no, 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 Jesus, no. Now, certainly they don't say it's verbally or they, and it's not that maybe Jesus comes and says, but they just feel that, but they just shove it aside and push it under the carpet and they move on. They don't attend to it. Then God comes again and he wants to abide in their room. 
in the area of, of, of the way they speak to people. You say, huh? my, my, my son, my daughter, you see, your mouth is sharp. I need you to correct the way you talk. I need you to, 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 to soften your language and let your tongue be a healer. And, uh, and the glosses are saying, I say, no, uh, I'm tough. Uh, me, if I talk, see, I talk, I don't give, I know. And God is saying, I want to abide in that area of your life. But they close that door to him. And yet they worship, they lift holy hands. And yet they could be prophesying, they could even be sharing the word and be productive in the office at some level. But when God wants to take you into a new level, he has to withdraw all things out of your life. As a matter of fact, in practical Christianity, things ought to constantly be challenged in your life if you are growing. So if if your Christianity has been going on for a life for a while and you and you don't feel the Holy Ghost challenging things inside your heart and asking you to correct things and you are not being convicted of particular attitude and mannerism, believe me, you are not practicing the right Christianity. Take it. God is always renewing you, shaping you, refining you for greater height. And that means that he's always crucifying your flesh, killing the old nation, renewing you and reforming you to be like Jesus. And that is what it means for him to abide in you. Because the more room Jesus wants to have in you, the lesser room for yourself and your flesh will have. So for him to abide in you, things have to die. For him to abide in you, the way you spend money has to change and die. So if you are the type of person that when your salary is coming and immediately the salary hits you, it's plunger. Man, you just go and you, yeah, that's it. that first evening like this, you, you get like a 50, 50, 50 wraps of barbecue and you and you gather your friend. You guys go and God is a seat. If I want to take you to the next level of English, you can't be spending money like this. And you, you are praying to me that you want to be a man, you want to marry. You can't raise children on this system of behavior and system of thinking. And you are saying you want a billion dollar company. And every time you get funding, the, the, first thing you are, the first thing you are looking through is the magazines of cars and magazines of shoes and magazines of wristwatch. This is, see, you can't handle what, I'm, what you are asking me for. I need to abide in this department of your life if you want to become fruitful. So, so Jesus wants to abide in you. He, you, you. he wants to enter different chambers of your heart, different corners, different closets, different areas of your being. So the, 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 the thing you need to do is begin to give him room. You begin to come into prayer and say, Jesus, what room do you want to enter next? What area of this apartment, of this duplex called my heart, do you want? Is it the right ventricle or the left ventricle or the upper chamber? Where do you want to enter now? Do you want to talk about how I raise my kids or how I deal with my husband? Do you want to talk about how I deal with my staff and how I pay their salaries and their remuneration package? Do you want to, how to, you want to enter the chamber of how I deal with clients when I'm angry or how I deal with my junior colleagues? Do you want to enter the chamber of how I treat my security man and my maids? Do you want to enter the chamber of how I, how I treat my wife and my children or my husband? Do you, what area of my life are you knocking on? Do you want to enter the area of how I spend my money, how I spend my time? Do you want to enter the area of uh, how long I spend binge watching movies? Do you want to uh, do you want to tell me not to subscribe for DSTV in a particular month? There's nothing he wants to enter. And that means things that will need to die on the inside of you to make room for Jesus. Some things need to move out for him to abide. So imagine your life, your heart as one big house. Where Jesus wants to abide. Don't restrict him to the sitting room. Just like a visitor. 
Let him go into the living room. Let him go into the dining room, your room, your closet. Let him get into the toilet area, the bathroom. Let him be able to open the fridge. Let him walk through the corridor like he owned the place because he does if you give it to him. Don't close any at the way the way you talk on social media, the amount of time you spend, how you project yourself. Do you really reveal Jesus to other people? Is it glorified through your life? Do they respect or do, does your life draw people close to him or you're a menace or you or you're a disgrace to him? Now, certainly, no, don't, 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 don't mind my words so much. Don't, don't let it make you feel bad. But I just want you to, to paint that picture to the man. You have to really be open and allow Jesus to enter every area of your life. Has the Holy Ghost been warning you about how you how you tweet or what you tweet or what you portray? Or, or it could be, oh, this is how you are the kind of music you, you listen to. Come on, man. It, it has to change. And that is him endeavoring to abide. If you don't open those rooms to him, my friend, you can't enter into fruitfulness. It is the level of room you create for God on the inside of you that determines the level of results and fruitfulness you will see in your life. These are the fundamentals of fruitfulness. It is a heart issue. Fruitfulness is a matter of the heart. And I'm spending time on this episode more than the other ones because your heart needs to be dealt with. How much room are you giving to God inside your heart? What area of your heart are you closing to him? Are there people you have? Are there so? Uh, is there a room in the corner of your heart where you have locked your father, you locked your mother, you locked your uncle, you locked your exes, you locked your colleague, you locked your old bosses, and you you put them all there and tag? Don't open. Unforgiving. I wish them bad. I I send to them the things that they have wished for me. These people, I wish them evil. Any day of my life when I wake up, it is evil. I wish them because these people, they have, if you know what they did. Oh my God. Your old pastor, your former pastor, your former head of units. Oh, come on. These people, they are evil. I am telling you. See, God knows that if I wish them evil, I have not done. But no. He said to repay good for evil. Pray for your enemies. So Jesus is saying, let's open that door. Let's bring out the list of the Let's begin to call all of them out and set them free. Because we need that room. That room is not allowing us to get food. If we open that room, it is thinking with unforgiveness. But we want to declutter it and clear it so that we can release some fruits into that place. So my friend, think about your heart today. Look at your life. Look at your daily activities. Jesus wants to abide in you. He wants to make room. Will you make room for him? Because without him, you can't do anything. And the last thing I will share in this episode, this is the longest episode so far, is the fact that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So that means that if you are doing a lot of things without Jesus, as far as Jesus is concerned, that thing is nothing. That's a shocker. So if you remember, we uh, at some point in the, in, the ep- in the previous episode, we talked about people who be giving billions of dollars to wipe out poverty and eradicate, eradicate polio and disease in the world. And then... Even though they are doing good and it is benefiting other people, as far as God is concerned, because our life transcends this earth, there is an eternity in view. And then when we get there, God says, no, it is not on the basis of good works. You aren't drawing from me. You aren't drawing from the true vine. You are drawing from the false vine. You are drawing from the false vine. So there's no room for you here. So now, that means that you can do a lot of things. Look at, look at um, um, 1 Corinthians 13. 
He said, if I give my whole body to be burned and I have not love, he said, it, it does me nothing. It profits me nothing. He said, if I give my money to the poor, he said, it is nothing. And Jesus is saying, when you do anything without me, that thing is nothing. So, as you begin to think about your life, hope you are not doing nothing. Hope that is not what you are doing. Because you could be you could be you could be fasting and praying and it's still nothing. Yeah, believe me. You could be giving seeds and sowing seeds for selfish reasons, like as if you are giving money to a money doubler. Like Baba Jebu <laughs> for, for my for my non uh, non-Nigerian Lagos constituents. Sorry, that means you are gambling with God. You are saying, Let me give a seed of uh, two hundred dollars. And it's going to give me tenfold. It's going to give me tenfold, two thousand dollars. And yet, you are not. You are not getting any territory. And then somebody come and bamboozle you. I gave fifty dollars, and God brought. But now, I, I do not mean that those things are not true. No, as a matter of fact, I'll probably preach the same someday. Which means that we sold and we reaped in return, certainly. But there is, there are those that they are charlatans and they go about and you know say these things. And you also just because you are gullible and you are coming from a heart of money doubling and. And 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 a heart of selfishness. Then you want to go and gamble with God and say God is a money doubler. When you give him fifty dollars, you will get hundred dollars back. And you are doing nothing. You are wasting your money because your heart itself is not pure. And even you may be even doing, you may be sowing to a right. Now maybe the person who is speaking is not a charlatan. Is speaking the truth. Then you go and sow that money, but your heart is not giving him room. Then you won't find fruit. Until you release people, you forgive them, until you declutter your life, check your life, check your appetite, check your routine, prune your life, let things that are not godly begin to take their leave. Or else, you could be doing everything you are doing and still be doing nothing. And this will inform you that don't let your eyes begin to rest on the world. Don't let your measure of your word begin to come from the standards of the world. Don't look at celebrities on Instagram and in the media and the porn society, societal pundits and the creme de la creams and begin to think, man, that is the highest. No, that is not the highest place in the books of God. It is a man that humbles himself and obeys God's word regardless of his height. That is at the highest place. So, and I've said this before, I'll say it, say it again. A missionary can be in inland China and that man is higher than a Christian brother who is blowing money and sowing to the church out of a greedy heart and is and is and is and you know is drawing from a wrong source and trying to give it to God. We've we've spoken about that in previous in previous episodes. So don't measure things on the outside. Don't let what is going on, on the outside be the sole reason for telling your vital connection no. Because you could be doing all that and it's still nothing. Why? Because you are not giving Jesus room. On the inside of you. Without him. You can do nothing. I hope and I pray. That this message and these words. Go into your heart. And they give the Holy Ghost room. To challenge your heart. And begin to uncover 
the secret places of your heart so that our Lord and Savior can begin to have room in every department of your life so that you begin to enter the level of fruitfulness that you desire so that your life begins to take on the turn that you have always anticipated it will take so that your life will begin to bring more glory to God and more people are blessed. Your business, your family, your children begin to blossom like a tree planted by the rivers of good, of living water and they begin to bring forth their fruits in due season. I pray that the Holy Ghost will have access to your heart through these words because you remember the instrument of cleansing is the spoken word of God and I pray that God will speak to you through the words I've been saying to you and begin to change your heart and bring you into a place of fruitfulness. Oh yes, glory to God, I feel fired up already. Oh yes, I pray that the Holy Ghost abides with you beyond this, this listening. And begin to take you into a bigger and a stronger and a deeper place in your walk with him. And your heart begins to burn and begin to burn and begin to burn. So that you can give him room, you can make room for him. Thank you very much. I hope this has blessed you. This is the longest episode so far. And I hope it has watched your while and you enjoyed it. Listen again to the next episode. And God bless you. And I encourage you, you should share with people. Spread this message so that more people can begin to understand the system of God's fruitfulness. Thank you and God bless you. Hello there. So, welcome to this week's podcast and episode on the system of God's fruitfulness and productivity on the earth. And we are, we are, we are re-preaching and re-expounding on the sermon of Jesus in John chapter 15. And I encourage you, if you've not listened to previous episodes so that you can gain a background, I encourage you to go back and listen to them and share them with your friends and family and your loved ones or anybody that comes to heart as you're listening. Share it with them and let, let God use these words to change your life because we are trusting that, that this will spare, spark a revolution of fruitfulness, increased fruitfulness. You know, the story of me sharing this podcast happened, you know, the Lord taught me this a couple of times, sometimes back and and I enjoyed it and I began to, to, to leverage on it, begin to walk in it, begin to practice it in my, in my own life. And one afternoon, I, and I thought of preaching it and sharing it on the podcast, but I've just been busy, caught up, just caught up in my own world. And one afternoon, I was just reading my Bible and I, I dozed up briefly and the Lord said, preach that message. So I woke up and by midnight, yes, I'm recording this midnight. So uh, I woke up and, 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 and I went for my phone and I said, come on, man, let, 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 let's get this thing recorded and let's share this gospel to people. I be- and I believe strongly that God is using this message to change lives and, and spark a revolution of fruitfulness in the world. So today we'll be looking at the same chapter we've been looking at so far and we've been doing a verse by verse by episode. And it is called, uh, today we'll look at um, John chapter 15 verse 6. And today I'll be talking about what happens when you don't abide? So, you know, there's a problem that Christians encounter. There is a challenge we go through. And that challenge is the fact that because we have chosen Jesus and we have said we believe in him, so we don't tend to cut corners and do wrong things. And even if we do wrong things, we, we feel bad for it. But yet, we don't do the right thing. So, you see, and that's where the problem is. So we, 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 we endeavor not to do the wrong thing, but we don't do the right things that will move us forward into greatness. So a man have said, I'm not going to lie to get money. Fine, fine. So they are, they are, they are sharing money in the office. They are twisting numbers and they are saying, I ain't doing this. 
and they say, okay, no problem. But yet, you are not getting richer. And you are sad. But you say, no, I, I can't disobey God. I have to go to heaven. But yet, you are sad. You are unhappy. You are broke. Your children don't have money. You are not taking care of your family. And that is not God's will. There is a reward for obedience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God is not interested in all suffering through life. No, 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 no. No, it's not God's perfect way. It's not his will at any level. He said, I wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And 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 the crux of what we discussed in our last episode is how your soul is going to power your heart, how you will make room for Jesus in your heart. So now, so if God is desirous of your prosperity, and prosperity means prosperity. Prosperity doesn't mean you have a billion dollars in your account, no. Prosperity means that you have God's resources at your disposal. That there is nothing in your life that is broken. There is nothing in your life that is missing. There is nothing in your life that is wanting. So you may not be the wealthiest man in the world, but you are prosperous as far as God is concerned. Because you are connected to the vine. And there is nothing in your life that God's power does not meet the need. Not that, that God will not meet, not will, that is already missing. That is, your children fall sick and then. You have the healing power of Jesus. You know how to walk in it, to call for their for, 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 for their healing. Your children want to go to the best schools, even though you're a middle class earner. Yet, you have the wisdom of God, the favor of God, the resources of God, and you get an idea that gets you into that level of wealth that is able to fund their dreams. And then your child becomes the next president of the nation and he implements the right policies that change the world and favors the kingdom. So you see, all these things, they are interconnected. When people come and tell you that, no, I don't want any money. See, you are being selfish. Anybody that says that, hey, I don't want money, I just want money. You are being selfish. And it's fine. God will leave you at that level. It's all right. But the truth is, you can do more good for people with wealth than without it. You can. So, so and that is why we must open our hearts to receive from God any amount of thing he wants to give to us. We should not be the one telling him not to give to us. We should be the one saying, here I am. Give me. So if God want, if what God says I'm I'm giving to you is 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 a ten million dollar level of prosperity, so be it. You enjoy it because one of the the, the, the the key thing about our kingdom is contentment. If the Lord is saying your own earnings, the level of breakthrough I want to rush through your life is one million dollar, and so be it. If God is saying yours is a trillion dollar, you accept it. Certainly, we are not going to be the billion dollar and the trillion dollar, but we all have our needs met. We all have nothing missing, nothing broken. A man could be living in the village and he's prosperous. Because it's connected to the vine. He may never get to the city. He may never even know what a dollar a dollar is. But he's prosperous in the village. His two bags of yams are coming forth well. He's taking care of the poor in the village. He's sharing the gospel to the locals of the town. Yes, his house, his children are, are healed and they are, and they are doing fine. He's the leader of the community. He's influencing people for Jesus. He may never ever enter a place. He may never ever see, 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 see a machine in his life. But yet he's prosperous because he's connected to the vine. So prosperity can be relative, but the major thing is that nothing is missing in your life, nothing is broken, there is no lack in your life that the power of God is not funding. 
wherever you find yourself. So, so, and, and I'm saying this so that it corrects our mentality that money is not everything. But for you and for me, who is listening to this, you are found in the urban part of the world, in the cities of the world. Then money means some things to you. And it means a lot in this place that we, that we live in, this space that we play. Because we have access to more funds and we should allow God pass more funds through our hands to the places that they have less funds. So a missionary, God has sent him to China and say, okay, I want you to go to India and do a work for me. And God is counting on you, who is in Abu Dhabi, who is in Dubai, who is in Lagos, who is in Kaduna, who is in Chile, who is in Los Angeles, to be the one who starts a million dollar business that will begin to fund that man. But when you begin to say, no, I don't want money, then that man's resources are cut short. Because he is, he is obeying God and God is committed to funding him, but he wants to fund him through you. But you are here, you are saying, oh, prosperity is a bad thing. No, 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 don't mistake yourself. Covetousness is the problem. Materialism is the problem. No prosperity. God is the originator of prosperity. He's the one that commands fruitfulness. He said, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. Come on, listen to me. If, if, see, see. You can be ranting on Twitter and be talking. See, it doesn't mean that you are having dominion. You are just ranting. You are, you are just causing havoc and making non-Christians see us as, 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 as less than what we are. You can be there castigating preachers and yet you, in your personal life, you, 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 you wish, you wish you had no money, but, but, but your malice against people will not let you own up to the truth. Then you begin to fund and, and push a, a, a false narrative all in the name of, we don't want to be material. Jesus, no, listen, man, listen, don't, don't, don't deceive yourself, man. Then let your heart be sober. Talk to your creator. Talk to your maker. Open your heart to him. Humble yourself. Tell him the things in your life are not working. Let him tell you. The Bible says in Psalm 119, it said, The earth, O oh Lord, is full of your riches. It said, Teach me your statutes. That means that to live on the earth and not to experience the riches and the mercies of God is to not have been taught by God. So if you are on this earth and you are not enjoying the goodness of God in the land of the living, if you're on this earth and goodness and mercies are not chasing you down, meaning that means you are not taught by God, regardless of what you are learning, take it from me. Regardless of the scripture you are quoting and the prayer you are praying, see, forget, let's forget this story. Let's forget this, this, um, this, this, this proper system, this system of Christianity that the devil has created to poison our mind and relinquish us. Listen, if it says be fruitful, multiply have dominion it means what it says it's not just for you to give birth to children facebook has dominion you know just before this tweet i i read i read a funny something somewhere i don't know how true it is but it made me laugh that that Mark Zuckerberg was saying that he, he wants to before the u.s government becomes too big he wants to break it in pieces i'm like come on what are we talking about here that is one man who owns a company. And it's not far-fetched. Now, I don't know how true that is, but I read it on Twitter. And Elon Musk was co commenting on that and laughing. And which is actually a plot twist because, you know, because the U.S. government is used to trying to break break down big businesses, starting from people like John D. Rockefeller, whose uh, oil empire they had to break into five different oil, oil firms because John D. Rockefeller was too big. 
So now Facebook is saying he wants to break the government just because of, you know, of the kind of content that the, the U.S. government can sometime post, and which is their own politics in, in the country there. But I'm just trying to say that that is the level of dominion. For a man to say he wants to, he wants to, he wants to deal with the government, one man. Regardless, whether he gets successful about it or not, it is, he, he sees that this thing is possible. I have the capacity to do this thing. And now, you are there in one corner. You don't have any dominion. You say you're worshipping the creator of the heavens and the earth. Which creator? You should be like your dad. God is not interested in... The Bible says that, that, that he measured the whole water upon the surface of the earth in the whole of his hand. What, how many water are you measuring in the whole of your own hand? The waters and the economic space, which one are you measuring in the whole of your hand? So please, don't let us, don't let us, don't let us accept the, 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 the doctrines of devils. Yes, it's not until... Until it's not only materialism that is the doctrines of devils. There is also the hatred of 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 good things of prosperity that could be the doctrine of the devil just to keep us under. See, our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world are suffering, even though they are they are they are they are they are, they are you know they are serving God. They are they are going through a lot. Who tells you that you can't fund? A, 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 an intervention into into nations of there that is going to keep Christians safe. Who who told you you can't fund an army that that, that will keep the garrison of where people are are, 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 are in war torn zones and they can have to protect those people and then you can send Bibles to them and send Jesus to them and give them food. Who told you we can't be involved in that? Who told you we can't sponsor armies in nations where they don't want Christianity to prosper and we and we fight to the point that yes, Christians have their liberty. We are not fighting the country, but we are just saying we are fighting that everybody will have equal right, equal right to serve a God in this nation. Those are things that Christians can fund. Your mind needs to get there. Believe me, we need to begin to think on this level because the truth is whatever means legitimately under God, we must be ready to make sure that the world hears about the resistance because the enemy is working overtime to see to it that more people go to hell than they go to heaven. Is a sworn enemy of God. So, and you are part of that plan. So I'm saying this to encourage you for your mind to come and that there is possibility, there are possibilities. Prosperity is God's agenda. Fruitfulness is God's agenda. It is God's plan. He said it is the Lord your God that gives you power to acquire wealth. That he may fulfill what? His covenant. God gives you wealth for a purpose. And the purpose is to fulfill his covenant. So, and that covenant is getting people saved. So you must you must embrace the idea. So today, I will talk about last episode was quite long and this is already getting longer. At least about 12 minutes. But it's just to get this ideology into us so that we can begin to open our hearts to God, so that we can be receptors of blessings upon the surface of the earth. Jesus in John chapter 15 verse 6 says, If a man abide not in me, that man is cast forth or woman as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. You know, I learned, I heard a story once from, 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 from a respected man of God, and he said he wasn't. It wasn't. He, he traveled to a meeting in the United States, and uh, he was there. And and while he was sitting, it was a pastors' conference. So in between the breaks, and then some pastors gathered, and they were discussing about how the government have come to close the churches in their area, and they are 
giving out the property to lease to other people. They are foreclosing their property and they can't pay their mortgage and all the whatnot. And they were they were having a pity party. And he was sitting, you know, he's a stranger, he's a Nigerian person. He was just sitting, just doing bliss. And these other people, they knew them, so they were talking. Said, and while he was listening to them, the Holy Ghost whispered to him and said, listen, don't mind them. They had years upon years to grow and be fruitful in that area and dominate. But they didn't. And then, they didn't have enough influence to overthrow the government's desire and the policies that they are putting in that place to the point that their church is being closed. It is not the government's fault. It is them that have chosen not to abide in me and be fruitful. And that is the, that is the narrative of, of, of Christians when we don't abide in him and we don't allow him to abide in us. Listen, listen. There are several things that we can suffer as a people that is not God's fault. It is just as a result of the fact that we have not grown. You see, in this life, there is no vacuum. It is either you are choking something or something is choking you. It is either you are dominating something or something is dominating you. And Jesus is saying that when you abide in me, you become fruitful, you will multiply, you will have dominion. And then you will rule this world and become an agent upon the surface of the earth. Whereby what I said, when I said that kingdom come, that will be done as it is in heaven, will be manifesting through your life. That the very blessings of Abraham, where I say that I will make you to own every land upon the surface of the earth, will begin to come to pass in your life. But if we as a people are not abiding in him, what happens is we begin to get encroached on, pressed down, choked up, by the forces of this world and where the problem usually come is because we still choose to do right so we suffer and yet we suffer on two levels we suffer for doing right and yet we suffer for not getting the reward of doing right man that is that is deplorable but that's not god's will for us so jesus is saying say, if a man abide not so if you've not been servicing your connection with me it's not about Obeying rules and regulations. You see, there are several Christians. They don't lie. They don't steal. They don't commit adultery. They don't commit fornication. But yet, they are not abiding. They are not servicing their connection with the Lord. They are not in vital communion with Him. They are not sharing with Him. They are just obeying some sets of rules. They are not having this conversation with the Master where He's pouring His desires, His visions into their heart. In previous episodes, we've talked about that. How that God enlarges us and brings us into a new place with his words by visions and giving us bigger visions for the year. So these people are just obeying rules and regulations and practicing religion and they are saved. God bless them. They will go to heaven if they die. Jesus loves them. I love them. But they are not doing good for the kingdom in the sense that they are not receiving the reward of obedience that can help them become dominant and fruitful. If there is anything their life does for Jesus. It's just the fact that it is a witness that they that they, they, that they are morally upright, and even some of some of such brothers and sisters, they, they don't even give a witness. They are, they, 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 people people have seen them as the epitome of judgmentalism, perfectionist, uh, uh, callous, hard-hearted people who stand for what is right and does don't care whether people down now. God did not call us to be mean people in the big to obey Him. No, that is not His will. Come on. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciple. If you love, love one another. Love one another. You see them judging their fellow brothers and sisters, sisters who are in Christ. You see them castigating. No, 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 no. But you see these people, look at them many a times. 
what Jesus said in John chapter 15 verse 6 is happening to them. He said, they do not abide in me. They are cast forth as a branch and they are withered. So many people, you see so many people say, I may be suffering from, see, God did not program me to suffer forever for Christ. Come on. If you are suffering on one side, you are supposed to enjoy it on the other. And I'll tell you, Jesus said, if any man will leave all of his possession and come after me, he said they will get the same multiple forms with persecution. That is, you have chosen to follow me and I'm going to reward you with fruitfulness on this earth. Now, that fruitfulness will come with persecution. But you know, it is easier to suffer persecution when you are fruitful. Believe me, than it isn't. If you've ever suffered persecution while you are not fruitful, you will know that you wish that at least you could get some cushioning effect. We are created to enjoy comfort. That is why even the Holy Ghost is called comforter. We respond to comfort. Jesus is the first comforter. The Holy Ghost is the another comforter that he sends according to John chapter 14. So, you see, Jesus is now telling us here that if you are not servicing your relationship with me, you are going to be cast for you are going to be you are going to be withered, and men will gather you, gather that person, and they will cast them into fire and they are born. So so now let me let let us let us let us let us bring it home. So a person is supposed to be servicing their connection with God, and they are supposed to be fresh, full of sap, so that when the burning and the heating of the environment come upon them. They won't wither and dry up. So that is it. You can you can imagine. So so when you are connected, so so I don't know if you, if you've ever had an experiment where where you put a, a, a sachet of water inside the fire and it doesn't it doesn't burn because the water is regularly just drawing away the heat from the from the sachet, the plastic plastic uh, cover, and making sure that the water begins to boil without the nylon burning. And that is what is supposed to be. That is as we stay. Stay connected to the Father. Stay connected to the vine. Our life is full of freshness. The level of heat on the outside, no matter how much it is burning us, we don't dry up because we are always drawing strength. So as much as we are giving away life, as much as we are expending energy, we don't dry up because we are connected to the soil. But these people, or a Christian brother, or a Christian sister, and don't let me say this, if it could be you as well, who have not been servicing your covenant with him, who have not been servicing your relationship with him, what begins to happen? You begin to dry up and the effect the negative effect of the environment begin to wear on you so we give it an, an example as so a man is in the office he has chosen to look like he's abiding in him he doesn't lie he doesn't share money he doesn't do this he doesn't do that okay fine you're a righteous man glory be to god but yet he's suffering no promotion 10 years 20 years no that's not that's not god's will for everything you suffer in God, if you maintain your connection with him, if you open yourself to his word and you let him draw you into a new level of fruitfulness by the entrance of his word into your life and bring you into a new level of fruitfulness, for every setback you go through, for obeying him and staying in connection with him, for, for, for standing up for his ideals, for every kind of setback you you go through, what will happen is there will be a reward. The Bible says, for we know that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, what does it do? Works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In Romans 18, 8, verse 18, it says, for the, for the 
for the for the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us both here on earth and in heaven to come. So that is what is supposed to happen. So if you are servicing your con, con, con covenant with him, you are servicing your, your connection and your vital relationship with him, what is supposed to be happening is the fact that you're supposed to be going from strength to strength, from breakthrough to breakthrough. If you suffer some setback on the earth, then God will turn it around and, and make it out for your good. And you can see that is the pattern in the life of Jesus. Anytime you are you think that your life is showing the Christian narrative, put it alongside the life of you. So if you think you are suffering persecution for Jesus, thumbs up. Very important. As a matter of fact, I expect to be persecuted for Christ. As a matter of fact, I do not count my life anymore. So, so if I have to be killed right now, I will say yes. Because living is for him. Now, somebody will say, you are living in the town. No, no. It is a state of heart. Because there is no point living on this earth if I will not be living for him. And I know heaven is better. Let's go and meet him there. I'm not afraid of death. So now, coming back to what we are discussing. That if you are suffering persecution... Put it alongside Jesus' life. Jesus was persecuted. He was beaten. He was slapped. Why? After what happened? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Suffered the shame. And it was a period of time. It is not forever. He went through that process for a period of time. His own was pretty dim. And on the third day he rose again. And he seated at the right hand of the Father. And is forever glorified. And the Father says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your food. So that should be your narrative. You are not meant to be suffering persecution for obeying Jesus one year, two years, three years. And I'm saying this especially for people in the urban part of town. So now this is for you. Because if this message is to be preached for somebody who is in Iraq or in Mali, see, they could be suffering persecution and they could be killed day by day. But the matter is the vital connection which is the same thing with you who is in the city. The vital connection that is between them and Jesus will keep restoring their life, will keep furnishing their insights so that whatever they suffer on the outside, they will have a vision of God coming from his word that is greater than what they are going through. And be very sure that God will give them a vision. And one of the visions is they will keep evangelizing. They will keep bringing souls to Christ. They will keep drawing men to God. And the truth is, after a while, God is going to grace somebody from the city. He's going to raise a policymaker, raise a leader somewhere, a company somewhere that will find expression and penetrate that place. So much that all they are suffering over the year, they'll begin to find cushion. It may not be them, maybe their children or their children after them. Because God, the Bible says that God cannot be mocked. And our labor of love will not be forgotten. So there's a system of reward, even from this earth. Not all of us will get it on this earth. Some of us will get it in heaven. But there's a system of reward that we will get from this earth into heaven based on our connection with him. So look and observe here. Based on what God is saying, he says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So if you begin to experience hardship in different areas of your life, doors are getting closed at you, persecution here and there, and there's no commensurate increase, there's no commensurate blessing. There's no, there's no, there's no reward that is showing up after you have been loyal to God. Then there's a problem. The problem is not that you are not doing anything wrong or you are not doing anything right. It is that you have not been staying in connection with him. You have not been abiding in him and you have not been letting him abide in you. 
You've not been listening. You've not been giving him enough room in the different departments of your life. I hope this has blessed you. I could keep speaking on this already 25, 26 minutes into the message. And I pray that the Holy Ghost will continue the conversation in your heart. I pray that the Holy Ghost will expound this to you and bring you into a place of increasement. This is this, the longest episode so far. I hope the next one is no longer than this. But we are getting burned and we are getting to the meat of these things. Thank you and God bless you. See you in the next episode. Hello. So, welcome to today's episode. And we've been talking about the the system of God's fruitfulness, the principles of fruitfulness. And we've been digging into Jesus' message in, in John chapter 15. And today we go further on this journey because it's 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 the 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 the, 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 this, the message in John 15 is so rich, it encapsulates the whole process of God's 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 principle, God's laid down rules and method for becoming a productive Christian in whatever area you find yourself. And and the central truth of all this, this episode is the fact that you need to give God room on the inside of you. That that is that is where it's all going to. You need to give God room on the inside of you. And uh, this will be the last part of of this season. So the season two is going to take on, on, on the system of now creating and manifesting productivity. So the, we've been talking about the internal aspect of this so far. And today is the last episode in this lot. Then the, the, the next, and today is like a transitional, transitional episode. So the next level of episodes that will be coming forth the next season will be about how you begin to enact the blessing, how you begin to, to now give physical results because this whole conversation so far has been about your heart, your connection with God, making room for God, as in receiving the visions of God, understanding the decluttering process. And you need to, if if, if, if you are just listening, if this is your first time, um, what do you call it, your first listening, you should go back to the, the past uh, six, seven episodes and listen and listen again and let these words Take root on the inside of you because they are deliberate message God is going to use to stir a process of fruitfulness in his body. As a whole, the people who are going to be listening to this are going to be playing a strategic role in the events of things in the future that God will be birthing. That's the truth. That's the truth. The, the fathers of the faith that we see at the helm of God's affairs today is the people that God is using mightily to help our life, bless our lives. So they, they were once like you and me. They, they, they were once at the beginning of their careers as a student of God. And they were found faithful with the words that were given to them, with the lessons that were taught them. They were found faithful to believe, to obey, to enact, to dream, to, to step out in faith with the things that were taught them in their generation. And so this is a new generation and God is bringing us into that same room, bringing us to, to further the work that they have done, to, to stand upon their shoulders and, and continue the work of the ministry of bringing more sons into glory in the ministry of Jesus Christ as the, as the chief. So I encourage you as you listen to this word, 
think about the things that God has accomplished in his body so far, the level of fruitfulness. Look at our fathers and the faith. Look at the things God has been able to help them to do and know that there is more. And know that these are the things they fed on. These are the system of truth they held on to, that they were able to do the things they do. And if we as people will, as we desire and convey the level of progress in different areas of our life, in business, in ministry, in any area, then we need to feed on the same things too and implement them in our own time and enact them in our own situation so that we can be people who are a blessing to our times and our, and our generation. I hope you are not hearing any background noise. I, 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 I do not apologize, but I apologize all the same. But anyway, let's kick in and dig in into God's word today. So we look at John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus was speaking and once again, he said, If you abide in me, this word abide, it has been ringing, and I think by now it should have entered your mind and you put the word abide as a priority. When you read your Bible, you think of abide, everything abide. You need to abide, abide in Jesus, you know. He said, if you abide in me, now, today's, today's message is, 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 today's podcast message, whatever, is, is so dear to my heart because it talks about words, words. And you know, our God is unseen. He's unseen to the natural eyes. He's unseen. But the closest thing that we can see are his words in the pages of the Bible. But the matter is the Bible, the words of the scriptures are like doorways. They are like keyways. They are like portals. So you begin to read your Bible and as you stay and as your heart gets into a place of synchronization by the help of the Holy Ghost, it is never with the Holy Ghost, it is by the help of the Holy Ghost who shows you the things of Jesus. Then those verses of scripture, they just all in a moment turn from words, they turn into pictures, they turn into visions and you begin to fellowship with Jesus and you begin to dine with him. Those, those words are, are doorways into the realms of the spirit so every verse is a doorway into a possibility in god it's a doorway into a banqueting hall it's a doorway into a feast of far things with him so your bible is whenever you are going to your bible you should see it as as you going to 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 enter a portal so that is why you should not t- treat any verse of the bible as trivial no you must cherish them as it were, they are your life. He said, my words are life to those who find them. He said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. He said, let these words not depart from your heart, from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. He said, for these my words, what are they? They become the life. They are the reality of those who treat them with those, with that level of seriousness. And my words are health, they are medicine. That is a regular attention to your Bible, reading your Bible, praying and reading your Bible can actually affect your health. So if you've been, if you've been somebody who've been dealing with, uh, with sickness, see, you need to tune your faith in this direction. That as I read my Bible and pray every day and confess God's word and meditate on God's word and learn things from the scripture and fellowship with the Father, come on, sickness cannot stay on me. What are you talking about? I can't be attending meeting with Jehovah Rapha, with the healer, the person who went about doing good while he was on earth here and he healed them all. When you read through the gospel, you will see, and Jesus healed them all, and Jesus healed them all, and Jesus healed them all. And what are you talking? Then you, you go into meeting with that person every day, you read the word and you say you will not be healed forget it man 
Sickness is not part of the things that God has put on you. So as you attend, the Bible says, they go from strength to strength, every one of them appearing before God in Zion. Come on. So you go for, your health does not deteriorate. No. Cancer does not grow in your body. No. You are a child of God. Healing is yours. Why? Because Jesus was wounded for your transgression. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement that brought you peace, nothing broken, nothing missing in every area of your life, including your body. Nothing is broken in your body. Nothing is missing. No, 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 no. Mm. Nothing is missing. Insulin is not missing. Yeah, your, your health is not broken. He said, the chastisement that brought us shalom was laid upon him. And with his stripes, we are restored. So if you are saved, it's the same sacrifice that got you saved, that got you healed. And if you cannot be unsaved, that means you cannot be unhealed. So you need to plug your faith. It was by faith you received salvation and you are not going to get unsaved. So if you are not going to get unsaved, yes, I believe with you, you are not going to get unsaved. You are not going to leave the Lord. You are not going to cast him out. So if you are still saved, you have every right to heal him. It is, it is not by, by sowing a seed or... You didn't sow any seed to receive salvation. You only received the life of God. If there's any seed, so you gave away your old man. You lay down at the altar and picked up God's life. And God didn't do anything with your old man. He, 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 he crucified him. So you weren't actually giving your life to Christ. No. You were actually receiving the life of Christ. Well, God had nothing to do with the old life. Was, he had already crucified it on the plate. You just came to submit your version of it and it was dealt with. Crucified dead. He said it was killed. So, healing comes on the same grounds as salvation. Certainly, as you go in the dynamics of it, the Holy Ghost can lead you to suicide or whatever. But the guarantee is this. That is a special occasion, but when you don't need to sow any seed to get healed. You don't need to pay any money. The sacrifice was paid. If you didn't pay for your salvation, you are not to pay for your healing. The same sacrifice that paid for your salvation paid for your healing. So today, we are going to talk about the prayer dimension. The prayer factor. Of fruitfulness and Jesus said if you abide in me and my words understand take note it is plural words not word word that means it takes more than one word say my word my word some of them in Genesis then another in Colossians another in Hebrews some of them in Isaiah a couple of them are in Isaiah yes you saw another one in Jeremiah another is in Hosea one is in Matthew another is in Revelation one is in Nahum, another is in Peter, another is in Jude. He said, and these words, they abide. And we have defined abide before now as dwelling, finding room. So Jesus is saying, if my words abide in you, they find the resting place in you. What does he mean? Now, I'll come back to that shortly. He said, if my words abide in you, you shall ask. That word ask also means demand. Whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. So, this is Jesus talking about prayer. But he's saying that for you to ask anything in prayer that you desire, and for it to be done unto you, it is premised on the fact that 
my words are abiding in you. Now, it's not just that I am quoting scripture and memorizing Bible by Bible verses and I have memory verses. Mm-mm, mm-mm. That is not it. That's a local man's expression for my non-African constituents. So, it says that if my words are abiding in you, what does it mean for God's words to abide in you? It means that every chamber of our heart, every matter and issue on our heart, God's word has the final say. That there's no department of your life or of your heart where you don't have God's word governing and ruling and dictating what happens there. So if somebody offends you, God's word is governing that area that you are supposed to pray for your enemy. Do good to them that despitefully use you. That is God's word abiding in you. It's not that God's word is abiding in you in the area of a God of miracle is my father. And then somebody offends you and you, you, you do them in and you show them pepe. Now those are African colloquialisms. Sorry. No, not sorry to my non-African constituent. But you'll get used to it after a while. Anyway, as I was speaking. So, for Jesus' words to abide in you, it means Jesus' words are governing your interaction with every area and department of your life. Every chamber of your heart is governed by the word of God. So, if the word of God is abiding in you, that means that if you want to be a gluten and you like to overeat, then the word of God comes in and tells you that you are supposed to do all things with moderation. That you are not supposed to be ruled by the flesh. That the word of God begins to cut down on your appetite, begins to prune it. It begins to change your love for food and makes you a disciplined person. If you are somebody who is prone to be sad, who is a phlegmatic or you, you are a sadist by nature, then the word of God comes into that area and chamber of your heart and begins to give you the oil of joy for mourning. If you are a pessimist, you are always seeing the negative side of things and it's always making you depressed. Then the word of God comes into that place and tells you the joy of the Lord is your strength. That with joy you draw water. That let the weak say I'm so. And then it begins to change your view of life and begin to affect your personality. So now, well, and that's not only, the, that is every area of your life. So, Jesus' words abide in you. If you are somebody who is under the governance of God's word, that's the meaning. For my words to abide in you. That you are somebody whose area, every department of your life is under the governing power, governing authority of his word. He said that kind of person, you become a fruitful person because whenever you step into the place of prayer and you demand anything, to be done now this is the issue many a times as god's children we just take a promise of the bible and we begin to harp on it and we begin to pray and we get little results compared to what god could give us in that area yes we get some result but they are just tenfold they are not even up to thirtyfold believe me because if you can do exceeding abundantly above what you could ever ask or think according to the power which is the power of resurrection that is at work in you that means that there, we are setting ourselves short when we don't see the whole Bible in context. So he's saying, my words need to abide in you. So if you say no to his words when it is telling you to forgive someone, then be sure that when you demand of him to provide for you to pay for your, for your, for your, for your curse in, in, in Liverpool or, or, or in Manchester or, or, or in Harvard, then there's going to be an issue. 
there's going to be an issue. And don't say that God didn't come through for you or he disappointed you. No, it is because you as a person are not allowing God's words abide. Remember, it is words, not just one. You don't just speak one promise and start harping on it. No, it's words should begin to abide. And you must be a person who is subject to the authority of God's word. So much that your mantra about life is this. I don't care my stand. Whenever the word of God comes, whenever God speaks, whenever a scripture comes alive in my heart, whenever the Holy Ghost quickens a Bible verse to me, that is the end of the story. I don't care what's happening. I don't care whether my mother is dying or she's not dying. I don't care whatever the doctor has said. If God says she's going to leave, then I submit to the authority of God's word and not to the authority of the doctor's proclamation. No, 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 no. God's word governs my experiences. I don't care whether my son is doing drugs now or not. If the Lord has said that everything that comes out of me is going to go in the way of the Lord and they are going to bring glory to him, that everyone that comes out of my life is going to serve the Lord, then I submit my life and his life to the authority of God's word that is going to come back to the fold. I don't care what's happening. If the world is saying the industry I am doing my business in is going down the drain, I submit my life to the authority of God's word. I don't join the markets and begin to project and say this. No, 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 no. I'm not caught in that wrong narrative. His words abide in me. Not the news. Not statistics. Not market projections. Not the words of experts. No. No. His words abide in me. And when the words abide in you at a level, you will demand. So if God's word in the area of, 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 of healing and health abides in you, and then your wife is diagnosed with a lump in her breast and is aggressive and is going through her body, but the words of Jesus has abided in you and is abiding in you, that yes, you shall lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover, that everything that your heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted, then if his words abide in you, then you will demand that. I demand that. Of my wife's body that this cancer leaves and never returns not in me not in her not in our children or in our lineage forever because these words abide in you so for you to be a person who is going to be fruitful you must be somebody whose life every department of your life not just not just when you need a miracle no every department of your life must be subject to the authority of God's word. So, for example, if 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 you've been if next month they are going or maybe before the end of the year you are going to have a promotion at work that is going to take you to another level, and God is saying, "Step out now! I want you to go and start your own business." You must bring yourself under the authority of Jesus because you know that by the time you start, you are starting from the scrap. But Jesus is saying, "Step out now." So you bring yourself under the authority. Of the word of God. You let his words abide in you. So that you step out. And what happens is this. When you step out. You will demand. And we are going to get that in the season 2 of this whole series. Because this is the last episode of this season. So we are going to get into that. How we get into fruitfulness. So if his words abide in you. So today what you want to take away is this. Is God's word abiding in you? Is it finding room? Is God's word finding a resting place or the word of God is tiptoeing around in the corners of your heart? It doesn't want to wake you up because you are going to, so God is just coping with you and managing with you. God is sleeping in the parlor or in the, in the sitting room 
He can't enter the room. He can't open the fridge. He can't go out through the back door. He can't stand on the pender. He can't come out at the balcony. God is living like a stranger. You have restricted him and told him, you don't go past this place. You don't put on, you don't touch the TV. Don't touch the Netflix. Don't touch the soccer ball. Don't touch my, my Korean movie. Don't touch how I talk to my husband. Don't talk how I, don't touch how I relate with my wife or my children. Don't. I've restricted you to my business. Just keep giving me ideas on how to break through in life. Don't touch how I behave with girls and my secretary. No, I, I can flirt. I can flirt, but just keep giving me the ideas to break through. I'll keep giving you a tide, but I, I, I love to flirt even though I have a wife at home. No. Then you can't, you, can't, you can't have the level of fruitfulness that pleases the Father. The level of fruitfulness that pleases the Father is this. That you may walk worthy of him unto all pleasing. That there's no department of your life. In Psalm 1 it says that whatever he does prosper. So God is not interested to be to be restricted to an area of your life. To be restricted to your business. That you're always calling on him when you're going for business. No, 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 no. no. He wants to be at there. How you deal with your secretary at work. How you deal with your staff. How you deal with your colleague. How you deal with your wife. How you talk to your children, how you deal with your parents, how you deal with your with your landlord and your tenants, how you deal with, with the with the police officers on the street, how you deal with the government officials, how you talk about the president, how you talk about the senator. He wants to see and oversee that area. So for example, God the Bible tells us that we should pray for our leaders, but you just because of the level of frustration and corruption you see in your country, you begin to curse out your leaders and you begin to hear their bunch of now listen, man. There's a level of fruitfulness you won't enter into because God's word is not abiding in you in that area. You can't curse your leaders when God has said you should bless them. Certainly these people do a lot of corrupt things, but regardless, if you can't say anything good about them, just keep your mouth shut and pray. Keep praying for them and pray them out and pray somebody new in, but don't curse them. Don't, don't, don't. It's not in your place. It's not in your place. It's not. You're not supposed to be spewing it because it is not what goes in that defiles. It is what comes out. And if curses are coming out of you, it is defiling you. It is. It is. The things that come out of your mouth defile you. And so you are driving. And and somebody just on Lagos roads, for example, and somebody just drives some crazy kind of stones for you. And you're like, son of a gun. What the flipping kind of human being is. And you begin to curse them out. See, listen. You are not crossing them or you are defiling yourself by the things that come out of your mouth. You are getting unclean. You are getting unclean. So it doesn't do them much harm as much as it does you. You are poisoning the river of life from the inside of you. You are sowing bitterness inside the flow and the stream of good things on the inside of you. So you need to come under the authority of God's word. Today you want to take away from this episode and say, Father, I bring my life under the authority of your word. I, I submit myself, every area and department of my life, to the authority of your word. To the authority of your word. To the authority of your word. I bring my life under the authority of your word. So, begin to introspect and begin to pray. Let your life, every department, remember that 
You must have God's word on every area of your life. How you spend your money, how you sow your money, how you give your money, how you raise your children, how you speak to your children, how you deal with your husband, how you deal with your wife, how you deal with your colleagues as well, how you deal with your juniors, how you deal with your superiors. God's word must govern all those areas. And what happens in return is that there is none of your prayer that will go unanswered. Because God's word is abiding in you. It has free room. It is not restricted. You have not locked God's word and told you where to go and where not to go. No. It can enter anywhere and start a conversation with you. And that's what happens in Proverbs, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 or 4, where it talks about the fact that when you allow God's word enter you, it says that it will start a conversation with you. So it's not that you are starting, that is, will be going on the road. You are driving and you look at the billboard and the Holy Ghost will start a conversation with you. And say, do you notice this? Can you see that? Or you are looking at the news and the Holy Ghost starts a conversation on the inside of you. Or you are looking at your teacher teaching your child and the Holy Ghost starts a conversation with you that relates to another world entirely. That is when you allow the word of God to have room inside you where it does not need your permission to talk to you. It talks to you by itself on the bus, while you are riding the bus to work, while you are driving to work, while you are at the gym, while you are at the lake trying to swim, while you are at the beach, while you are at the party, the Holy Ghost just begins a conversation. The Word of God begins to rise on the inside of you. This is what we are talking about. And this is the root of fruitfulness. Because when you live this way and you are a person of prayer, you go into prayer and you demand anything it will be done for you this is the secret to answer prayer so don't bother yourself about saying your prayer must be answered how much of god's word is finding room inside you how much of your life is submitted to the authority of god's word i want you to think about this i hope you're not hearing background noise some dogs in my neighborhood are, are barking anyway i'm recording this in the middle and that's some some fun let that become the governing principle and the governing rules over your life. God's word. I hope this has blessed you. And I hope the Holy Ghost continues the conversation on the inside of you. John chapter 25 verse 7. Read it. Meditate on it. And let your life be a fruitful one. Thank you for listening. And you can share with your friends and family or anyone who comes to mind. And God bless you. Mm-hmm.